If you listened to last week's podcast, you heard my big news. I have a new sponsorship for this year. Homeland Credit Union has graciously and generously decided to partner with me and my podcast this year, and I could not be more excited. We love Homeland. My mom and dad have banked there for as long as I can remember. My husband and I have accounts there, and we opened accounts for our kids. So we have three generations of family banking there, and it has been absolutely wonderful. It is pure nostalgia for me anytime I go in with my kids because I remember being a little girl going in with my parents. They have the best customer service. They are so helpful and they will answer all of your questions, anything you need. So any banking needs that you may have, give them a call 740-775-3331 and be sure to let them know that Elena sent you. Hi there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Pour It Out with Alana Beverly. I am your host, Alana, and I'm super excited to have you join me today. Today on the podcast, I have my good friend, Brianna Hood. I am honestly at a loss for words when it comes to her because she has just been an absolute godsend to my life. Our friendship started several years ago when we had coffee one day. I was working at Ohio Christian University and um, she was working for the chamber and our paths crossed and we just clicked. And so we had coffee one day and honestly, it was a friendship that started and the Lord has just been so good and so faithful in every part of our friendship. Um, She has been one of my loudest encouragers and cheerleaders through this whole process, this whole podcasting journey that I've been on. I have named her my pseudo business manager um, because she just has the best ideas. She is incredibly gifted when it comes to marketing and business, and she is just a gem of a person and of a friend. This conversation was well overdue, but our schedules are both crazy, and so we finally found some time to connect, and I am so, so thankful and so excited for you to hear it. So grab a cup of coffee or your favorite drink and join us as we pour it out. Well, good morning, friend. Good morning. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Of course. This has been a long time coming. I'm glad that you're finally on vacation and have time. (laughs) Yeah. We finally made it happen two years later. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, it's funny because from the very, very beginning of this podcast, I have said, I want you to come on, but we also have like 50 different directions that we could go. And, um, so as I was planning for this, um, I was trying to think what, well, which topic do we tackle today? And, um, I had shared with you before we started recording that I think maybe today we'll just kind of do an overview and, you know, you're someone who for sure will be back on more than once, um, because we do have lots of things that we can kind of, um, dive into later. Uh, but today, I think just to give an overview of, of your story and um, give you the chance to share as much or as little of it as you want um, would be really good because I think you are someone who is 
well-known in our community and um, well-loved and respected in our community, but um, not a whole lot of people know who you are and, you know, some of the things that you've walked through. And so um, I thought we could share that today. So before we get started and jump into that, why don't you just give us a very general introduction of who you are and just share a little bit about you. All right. Well, um, I'm Brianna Hood. So I've lived here in Chillcothy for 13 years. Um, I am a Michigan native. I'm glad that we're on a podcast. Nobody can like beat me up for that. I don't root for the blue team, but you know, you st it's still a thing. So um, my husband, Caleb, and I have been married for 12 years. He is what brought me to Till Coffee. So, you know, you fall in love and get drug away from home and I haven't looked back. So um, I'm the director of marketing community development for Homeland Credit Union. And we, um, my husband owns a small business, Great Seal IT. And then together we own Red Holler Homestead and Homestead as well. So um, everybody may recognize my name from one of those many facets and all of the other things in between. So, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> um, it's funny. I think the first time that I don't remember even how we originally got connected. Um, you were working at OCU. OCU at the time. And I don't know how it was. I think it was probably something in the community. I don't know, mm -hmm. but the first time, the only, like my first memory is us sitting down at roast at the mm -hmm. old location and having a coffee date. And I think one of the, the thing that sticks out the most to me in that conversation was you telling me you were from Michigan. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone seems to remember that part. It's the least important. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but since then, we've become really good friends, and you have been a constant, constant voice of encouragement and support, um, especially in the podcast. But um, even before that, before when I had my Facebook group and mm -hmm. everything, you were one of the ones who was like, so when are you going to start a podcast? <laughs> and um, I am super grateful for you. I'm super grateful for your friendship, and this is a result of your encouragement and your prayers. And I'm just really thankful. So I'm excited for people to get to know a different side of you. Like I said, I think, um, you know, I've gotten to know you really well over the last several years and um, just want to share some of your story. So I will turn it over to you and you can just take us on a ride. All right. Well, um, it's been an interesting 33 years of life. So we'll start there, I guess. I'm 33. So when you think about all of the crazy things that I've been through in life and everything I've lived through, you'd think I'd probably be about 50 by now. But, you know, we're aging gracefully. It's wonderful. Uh -huh. So um, like I said, I'm originally from Michigan. So most of my family um, is still in that area. They're kind of spread out all over the place. Um, I'm one of four. So I have three older siblings. Um, they're all a lot older than I am for the most part. So my oldest brother will be almost 50 this year. So um, don't really have much of a relationship with most of my siblings. One of my brothers and I talk pretty regularly. My sister is my best friend. So um, that's kind of where my story starts, really. So when I was eight, my mom passed away. Um, it was a pretty traumatic experience. I was the only one home when it happened. Um, and she died right in front of me. So um, that kind of molded and shaped so much of my life and so much of 
um, the way that I handled trauma and grief and um, really my relationship with the Lord in the beginning, because I was a very angry um, young lady for a long time. So um, now, did you go to church or anything as a kid? I did not. So my sister did a little bit when she was younger, um, which her story is just as crazy as mine, but not mine to share. But she did a little bit of like Bible quiz and some of that kind of stuff. But for the most part, even to this day, I'm the only person in my family that um, goes to church that has a relationship with the Lord. So um, I was lucky, really. I mean, the hopelessness that I felt most of my life was turned around so much when I've discovered my relationship with the Lord. So I'm so thankful for that now. Um, but after my mom died, I moved in with my dad, who um, is a severe alcoholic, even to this day, um, and struggles a lot with um, being truthful. So um, there's a lot of hurt there. I actually just had a whole conversation with my women's group at church this week about how do I unpack that difficult relationship with my dad, you know, because I don't want to carry that with me. But um, so after living with my dad for a couple years and dealing with his alcoholism um, and sleeping in the car at the bar, and I missed 80 days of school one year because of head lice and his drinking and all kinds of stuff. It was wild. My sister, um, as a young 20 something took me in and raised me, um, as her own alongside my niece. So, um, my niece is only four years younger than I am. So we're more like sisters than anything, um, and have fought as such our whole lives. So that's kind of fun. Um, but my sister raised me and we moved around a lot. We moved from lower Michigan to Northern Michigan. Um, and she went through a pretty nasty divorce, um, her husband. And then it was just the three of us, my niece, uh, my sister and I for a long time. And then she had my nephew and I helped, you know, take care of him through high school and dealt with just a lot of other difficult and traumatic things that kind of shaped who I was. But in the midst of that, um, you know, we all have that story of that boy in high school that we just loved and thought we were going to spend our life with. And that's how I got talked into going to church for the first time was he was supposed to be there and there was, it was just a pizza party. There was no Jesus stuff because I was a young, adamant person that, you know, I believed in God. I believed he was real, but I was so angry. And I was like, I don't want anything to do with somebody who would take my mom away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was staff testimony night at youth group. There was no pizza. That boy was not there. <laughs> so whoever lied to get me there, I forgive you. It was worth it, but come on. Um, so, um, Right then and there, there was somebody sharing their testimony about uh, loss and grief. And um, as a young child, I also dealt with being molested by a family member. Um, And that staff testimony night at church with the youth leader sharing a story so similar to mine and the hope and peace that they had, um, despite all of that, was something that I wanted. Um, So I gave my life to the Lord right there as a freshman in high school. And it's been rocky since, you know, as anybody stretching and growing is, but I haven't looked back and I've been so thankful for that discovery at such a young, well, youngish age. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
youth leaders in general are such an amazing thing. Yeah. You know, my yeah. sister had to move my my sophomore, or goodness, I'm getting tongue tied because I'm trying not to cry, but my sister had to move away my senior year of high school and I would have had to switch schools in the midst of everything else going on. And I actually lived with, um, I call her Mama Mary, so I'm sure she'll listen to this because she does all follows along with my life, but um, the profound impact that youth leaders make on the kids that they minister to and help is unchanging. Um, it's amazing. So to, still to this day, 33 years old, I would not be where I am today without her and the relationship that she helped me develop with the Lord. I love that. She's still in Michigan? Um, she actually just, her and her husband have retired um, and he is a weatherman. So if you ever hear me talk about, I only follow the National Weather Service because they're accurate. You can thank her husband, Jeff, for that. Um, but they just retired and he's doing a weather gig down in Texas. Oh, so nice. yeah, they're RV lifing it and she's posting pictures from the beach and <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun, but we still stay in touch through social media. Of course, it's like yeah. you're, you're connected with everybody. Yeah. So you started serving the Lord when you were a freshman mm-hmm. and so then you got us up to where you're a senior and then what from there um so then I went away to college um I'm the first person in my family to graduate high school and the first person to go to college so that was a huge accomplishment um I was miserable in college I didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do what'd you go for <laughs> I started out in nursing and could barely make it through a midterm class. I was ready to hurl every time I opened my book. (laughs) And then I've always loved to teach and work with other people. And I loved history. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be a history teacher. And then I was so bored in all of my classes. I was like, this is horrible. So I had to take a semester, um, my first semester of my sophomore year, um, and work directly with my counselor on what I was going to be because they had to figure that out. And that's when I landed on studying Um, shocker, communication and public relations, which kind of lands me where I am now. I am a college dropout, but I had a ton of amazing experience that led me down the path of working in marketing and community development, development, business stuff, um, all of that. Fun fact, originally my goal was to be a sports reporter for the Detroit Red Wings. That's what I wanted to do with my life once I landed on communication. Wow. Yeah. You never guessed, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Huh. So. So then how did you get from there to here? So my, between the summers of my freshman and sophomore year of college, I worked at Cedar Point. Um, I was a part of a campus ministry that had a ministry at Cedar Point, and they would recruit college kids to go work um, at the park for the summer and do ministry. So there's a ton of international people and people from all over that come to work at Cedar Point. Um, it is grueling, horrible hours, but the doing ministry was awesome. So I didn't end up staying my whole summer. I worked there for about four or six weeks. And then God was really like, you need to get your life together. So um, I spent a lot of time that summer. And then my sophomore year of college, um, I went through counseling to kind of unpack everything I dealt with, with my mom dying, um, really focused on rebuilding my relationship with my sister. Cause I had a lot of anger with her with having to switch schools. And there was a new man in her life that originally I didn't like because all the other ones had been so crappy. Um, 
I'm the quintessential, like has issues with men girl who had to work with all of the things between my sister's divorce and my dad and my brother leaving and all of that. It took me a long time to really kind of work through my relationship with men. Um, but praise God for Caleb because he's the one who was like, you can't have any of these walls. We're just going to rip them down and you're going to have to figure it out. So, um, you know, a patient but bossy husband has changed my life. <laughs> so, um, but I went home that summer and while I was home, I joined just a random Christian chat website, um, not a dating site, nothing like that. And on there is where I met Caleb. Um, he was actually, he's a potster. He likes to like post questions and um, kind of drop bombs on people. So he was debating in one of the chat rooms and I was like, oh, I think I like this guy. And I sent him a DM <laughs> and here we are 13 years later. <laughs> so we chatted online all through my sophomore year of college um, and just kind of got to know each other and video chatted, you know, back when Skype was a thing. Um, and then after my sophomore year of college, I was really, really struggling. Like, I hated school. I was bored out of my mind. Um, and I didn't just, the college life was not for me. I was ready to just do something different. So between my sophomore and junior year of college, I came down here to visit Caleb. I was supposed to be here for a week. Um, and I've been home twice since. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I dropped out of college. I came down here and started working and we got married a year later and here we are. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I always, <laughs> I always knew that I would move away from home, but I don't know that we envisioned it working like in that, you know, the way that it happened. That fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go visit a guy and then not come home. Yep. My sister was like, I knew. She's like, I just had a feeling. I knew. So, cause I didn't want to go to college to begin with. Yeah. Because I was scared. You know, I wanted to just do other things, but when you're a first generation being accepted into college, my sister was like, you get out and get a job or you go to school. And I was like, well, I'm going to go to school. Mm -hmm. so. so when you first moved here, where did you get a job at? Um, let's see. So when I first moved here, I was on the crew that opened TJ Maxx. So I helped set up and unload that entire store. So I worked there um, and hated retail. So, um, cause I did work at Walmart for a minute, but then I quit the week before black Friday oh. and then I worked at TJ Maxx. Um, and it was while I was at TJ Maxx that I had kind of experienced my first dosage of church hurt. So that was, um, that was an eye opener for me cause I had never experienced church relationships in the way that I had when I came down here. Hold on, let me back up. So when you first moved here, so mm -hmm. did, did Caleb go to church and did you just go to church with him? Or did you guys find a place together or like? So um, Caleb's grandparents are, or his grandma passed away two years ago, but his grandparents have been pastors for years. So when I first moved here, um, he was engaged with their church and kind of working with them. Um, very small Pentecostal country church. But that's, we were just kind of looking for more, looking for something different. We wanted to work with youth. We volunteered some at Middle Ground back in the day. So if you're from Chilcothy, you'll be familiar with that. Um, and we started going to a church on the East end where we kind of got more engaged with some different stuff. Um, and I had moved. So when I moved down here, I lived with his grandparents, um, in a separate bedroom on the complete opposite end of the house from Caleb. And, um, I had moved out of his grandparents' house and was living with some people from church. And, um, 
the pastor had someone else in mind that he thought that I should be married to and was trying to like keep Caleb and I apart. It was like a whole weird, awkward situation. Um, and it turned into me being kicked out on the spot of the church house that I was living in. No, no notice, no nothing. Had just paid my rent, didn't get my money back, nothing. Um, basically, I was usurping leadership by choosing to stay with the person that I wanted to marry instead of marrying, being with someone else. So it was, it was so strange. Um, I look back on it now and I just think like, what were they thinking? Like, I mean, I get trying to encourage people and build up relationships. So it was a little bit of a weird situation. Um, and Caleb and I got married four months after that. So, <laughs> yeah. So you stopped going to church then? <laughs> yes. Stop going to church there. Yeah. Oh man. And then you guys didn't go anywhere. Um, no, we did that, after that. Did? Yep. Okay. So it was after um, leaving that church, we started going back to his grandparents' church for a little while after we got married. Um, so one thing that kind of played a role in that is Caleb's mom was really sick. She had breast cancer. Um, and we rushed getting married because one of her dying wishes was to see her son get married. Um, Caleb was her only child and that was something she had thought about, you know, her whole life. But she, um, was really passionate about ministry and was a part of an international ministry in Florida and came up here to do some outreach and some different things through Caleb's grandparents church. So after getting married and leaving that other situation we were in, we did go back to his grandparents church for a while. Um, before venturing out to what was known as Elisha House. So, and that's where we went for a long time until, until um, it closed down. Yeah. And so then once it closed down and it stopped, you didn't go anywhere. I did not. I think, honestly, I think the situation with that church was probably the most traumatic church hurt for me that I'd been through. And I don't know that anyone else, like anyone from the church at the time, would even realize the effect that it had on people. Yeah. You know, when you, you do life with people and you spend, I think we were there for three or four years, um, you spend that amount of time with people and you do everything with them. So at the time I had, we had went through... Um, we lost Caleb's mom. We had experienced a miscarriage that was pretty devastating. Um, and then Caleb had stepped away from church for a little while. So I was going by myself. I was plugged in. I was working at the chamber of commerce at the time. So I was super busy with work and had this group of people at church that I thought I was doing life with. And then the church closes down and you lose your people. Yeah. Um, and there was no like connection outside of that. Like, you know, the church closed down and everybody scattered. There was no life together. Um, and I really, really struggled with that. Um, feeling very alone and isolated and also just super scared. I mean, you've counseled me through all of that. So, you know, that I was like, I'm not going back to church. Like church people are scary. Those relationships are not real. Um, and having to work through that was probably one of the, biggest struggles in my relationship with the Lord that I've had. And that was three, four years of life that I was not going to church, not connected to the body outside of people like you, who I was doing life with, you know, kind of on the side of my crazy work schedule. And, um, that was really hard to overcome. But then, so fast forward, um, so you worked 
at the chamber mm-hmm. and super high paced and super fast and mm-hmm. super busy all the time. Um, and then a few years, how long has it been? It's almost five years ago. Oh my gosh. I'm like a few years ago. Okay. Five years ago. Time flies. <laughs> it does. Um, you transitioned out of that yep. and got on at Homeland mm-hmm. and, um, and then through that, how did all of the homesteading start? So um, homesteading for us actually started while I was still at the chamber. So one of the things with our fertility journey is I have um, what I believe to be birth control induced PCOS. So I struggle with hormone balancing and um, some different things like that. I've struggled with my weight because of it. Um, So while we were still living in town, um, actually after Caleb and I first got married, I had been laid off for a little while and we got food stamps and learned that you could use food stamps at the farmer's market. And that kind of ignited for us this journey of eating real food. Mm -hmm. Um, So years later, we were living in town, dreaming of being out in the country. um, And I had learned how to can. So I had started buying from the farmer's market and learned how to can and was trying to really take control of what I was consuming. Um, And that's where homesteading for us kind of grew is, We wanted to be able to be sustainable and, you know, buying things in bulk from the farmer's market while it's beneficial for your community. Sometimes it's not always sustainable depending on what your income looks like. And at the time I was working for a nonprofit and despite working crazy hours, it's not the best income. Um, And Caleb was starting a small business that was just getting off the ground. And there was there were so many things. Um, So we were dreaming of homesteading, of gardening, of you know, connecting more with local farmers, of learning different skills that would help us to um, live what I believe is more of the way that God intended us to with a holistic nature um, and stewarding the land well and our bodies well. So um, that PCOS journey is really what led us through me. Um, Caleb's always had aspirations for homesteading and kind of taking control of things a little differently. But for me, it was all about working to heal um, my hormones in my body from the inside out. And so then you moved. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we closed on our house on February 7th of 2020. Ooh. Yeah. So <laughs> praise God for that a month before the pandemic shut everything down. Cause I think we would have went nuts in town during all of that. Um, but it also gave us a springboard while things were shut down to stay home and focus on building what we were doing. Yeah. So, um, and it was, super healing. So I left the chamber in 2019 and started at the credit union. Um, and, um, my body was struggling. My marriage was struggling. There were so many things that I needed to step back and really focus on. And that job change gave me the the ability to do that. Um, and then the pandemic was just all the more helpful because I could focus on, um, you know, my physical health, my mental health, my relationship with the Lord and my relationship with my husband. Okay, so let's, um, okay, can you just tell us a little bit about your house? Because I think it's the coolest (laughs) thing ever. Yeah, (laughs) so we live um, underground, so our house is subterranean, um, and which means that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, picture a hill and what essentially is a hobbit hole. (laughs) Except mine is like long and skinny. So there are multiple doors on the front of my house. And those are the only inside access that you have is the front side. So we live completely underground. 
um, which is amazing because it stays warm in the winter and cool in the summer. Um, when I got here today, Elena was joking about having to crank the AC down in here because it was hot. And I was like, my house stays about 75, but it feels cool. And she's like, I could never. <laughs> so um, we love it. We live on about seven acres. Um, and then we're surrounded by woods and country. And um, nowadays, I think we'd like a little bit more usable land, but it's our house is super cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And super, okay, this is where my brain goes because it just is. But I think like during storms and stuff, it's like super safe because you're underground. Yeah. I just go to bed. It could be tornadoing outside. And I'm like, peace out. I'm just going to go to sleep. I can't hear it. I can't see it. Nothing. Which is perfect for me because I have spent my entire life being petrified of being home alone and living in strange places. And when we first looked at our house, Caleb did not think I would like it. And I loved it because it feels like a big hug because you're wrapped up underground and you can see the only access points. And it's it's been amazing for me to be able to just have my little hidey hole. That's so cool. I just think it's the neatest thing in the whole entire world. And you're legit the only person I know that lives in that kind of house. And mm -hmm. so I just think it's, it's neat. So you started, and I also, I guess... I knew it at the time and then I forgot. And so like hearing you say, it's just reminding me like what a gift that time in COVID was mm -hmm. because I mean, you really just got to like remodel a house and like focus on that and put all of your time and effort into it. And then is that where then you selling things started? Did it start then um, or from there? Yeah. That's when, so during the pandemic, when I, you know, you couldn't go out and do things is when I started experimenting more with recipes and different canned goods that I hadn't made before. Um, you know, originally when I started canning, it was all about how do I replace the things that we eat? And once we got to a point where that was not a problem, it was when I kind of got to play with other things. So it was during 2020, during the pandemic that I created our chai tea recipe. Mm. <laughs> Which is amazing. Let's just pause right there and say... It is absolutely amazing. I yep. love it. I love, love, love it. Caleb, my Caleb, my my little boy Caleb loves it. Um, and mm, it's yummy. It's good stuff. Well, that's awesome. And yep. so, um, I want to take just a bit and tell you about my amazing, amazing partners. First up, Roast Coffee. They have the best coffee that you will ever taste for sure here in Chillicothe, Ohio, but maybe the best coffee that you'll ever taste in your whole life. No joke. It's the best. If you are looking for just a strong black coffee, I highly recommend the Americano. If you are looking for something sweet, you cannot go wrong with the Cubano, hot or iced. And if you are a tea drinker, I cannot recommend the London Fog enough. It is incredibly delicious, especially on these cool days. It's kind of like a hug in a cup. They also have some really, really delicious fall drinks 
that are absolutely delicious. They have a homemade pumpkin spice latte. Listen, Starbucks has nothing on theirs. It is homemade pumpkin syrup and it is absolutely fantastic. They also have a fireside latte that is probably my favorite. I love it. They also have um, some seasonal foods. I had the peach toast the other day. It is delicious. I think they're getting ready to take that off the menu. So this might be your last week to try it out. So if you haven't had it yet, go get it. Also, I've got Sweet William Blossom Boutique. They are in the peak of homecoming season, and so they are staying busy, and they are absolutely amazing at everything they do. I have seen these corsages and boutonnieres that they put out, and if you are still in need of one, contact them. It doesn't get any better than them. Also, they have my favorite chocolate-covered strawberries. They've got gourmet apples, all kinds of goodies. Go check them out. And last but not least, Maggie and Me Candle Company. Oh my goodness, they have the best candles ever. Go check them out on their, I would recommend you go to their Facebook page and check out. Uh, They have some collaborations with businesses downtown and they are amazing. So go check them out and see what scents they have at which store and then go get them. Oh my goodness, their fall scents are my absolute favorite and so this is my favorite time of year to get candles from them go check them out and whatever you do whether it's roast coffee or sweet william or maggie and me candle company uh, when you do go check them out be sure to let them know that alina sent you now back to the episode okay so you perfected the chai tea and then you, I mean, I know you do a whole lot. You do the salsa, you do the cowboy candy, you do all kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. then is there, but there, is there anything else you sell besides the chai tea? Um, so we have a partnership with grass powered poultry meats. So if you visit their farm store or you can order online through their website with them, we sell, um, obviously chai tea concentrate. We sell cowboy candy, which is um, candied jalapenos, and then we sell different like jams and jellies. Um, and if you're part of her um, like meat share program, we're going to be testing out a jam of the month club with grass powered first, and then we'll probably open that up to other people. So that's something new and exciting we're working on. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, and partnering with some local businesses to have your chai tea out. Yep. And so you have a, you have a coffee shop. Yep. So if you visit the Paxton theater, it's, um, six, three, four cafe in Bainbridge, their chai that they serve. Um, they serve a chai frappe. You can get it hot iced. However, is our chai. So we deliver to them, um, a couple times a month. We were serving at, um, deeply rooted in Frankfurt as well. Kennedy's been a huge supporter of ours. Um, and then we have samples out there in the world at other places right now too. That's so exciting. Yeah. That's so, so, so exciting. Um, Okay. So then what else has been with the homesteading part? Mm -hmm. What has been your favorite part? Um, I love to garden. Um, 2023 has not been our year for gardening. This has been a year of kind of rest and reset for us. But normally 
um, even this year with its wildness, I guess, but I love to be outside in the garden. Um, I firmly believe that God designed us to be gardeners and to have that connection to the earth um, because it's so healing. And, you know, my favorite place to devotion is outside around the plants. Um, But I love that. But the biggest thing I would say I love about homesteading is community. Yeah. Um, I love teaching people. I love bringing people together. Um, We host a plant sale every spring. That is like my favorite event. I've coordinated tons and tons of events over the years. You know that. But the plant sale is my baby. Um, and I love seeing people come together over, you know, they want to learn to steward their, their yard well and their diets and they want to learn to grow things and, um, being able to sell people the plants that they need that are not just your run of the mill, big box store plants, um, is so gratifying for me. I just Mm -hmm. love that. And then you're on average, I mean, I know that you, will go for certain things every now and then, but on average, you don't grocery shop much. Not much. No, we do. So we buy a lot in bulk. Um, We source through a company called Azure Standard a lot, which is where you can get um, higher quality organic goods, a lot of gluten-free stuff, things like that. Um, And then we work a ton with local farmers. So we buy most of our meat in bulk from local farmers. Um, This week where my garden isn't doing super good, I bought four bushels of peppers and produce, um, other produce from Dressback Farms. Um, So we're always working and sourcing things with local farmers for the most part. There are very few things I go to the grocery store for. That's so neat to me. It's so interesting because it's, I mean, I hate to admit this because it's just so opposite of how I live. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love this time of year because I love, you know, I love the farmer's market. I love Mm -hmm local farmers. I love being able to get fresh produce and things, but, um, I'm nowhere near where you are, but so it's just, it's interesting to me. I know that sometimes you'll throw it out and be like, I had to go to the grocery store for the first time in like three months. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's so crazy, but so interesting. And I love it. Like, I love that you are truly eating real food and Mm -hmm. making real food. And you're able to do a lot of interesting things. I feel like a few months ago, didn't you have like cow tongue or something? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we eat a lot of what's called offal. So it's liver, heart, tongue, Um, beef tongue tacos will change your life. I know it sounds weird, but it is the best cut of beef you'll probably ever eat. It's amazing. So yeah. Y'all can't see my face, but I don't really (laughs) have like, that just makes me like, what? (laughs) I would have to prepare it for you and you didn't see it first. You would never know. It's almost like roast beef and it falls apart, like just super tender, super flavorful. From a tongue? From the tongue. Yeah. I, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say yes, but I, and I feel like I'm pretty open and pretty Mm -hmm. whatever, but that just sounds so. Yeah. Interesting. You would like it. Well, I like tacos, so I feel like I would just... We just won't tell you what it is first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's neat. I don't know. I you. It's a very interesting and fun life mm-hmm. um, that you get to live now. And yeah. So, and I want funny. to... I know somebody's going to hear that and think, okay, this girl has way more time than I do, or that is totally unachievable. Start small. So maybe it's a difference of you go to the farmer's market to buy your 
potatoes and onions instead of getting them at the grocery store. We didn't start out, you know, filling our whole kitchen with things locally and things we grew. Start where you can, you know, and if it's, you know, if you're making hamburger helper every night of the week, pick one night and make something from scratch. You know, it doesn't have to be, people always get overwhelmed when I talk about the way that we live life now, but it's taken us 13 years to get where we are. Yeah. Um, And that's one thing that I love about building community is the ability to teach people yeah. Um, how to do those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, and even for us, like I said, like, you know, a few years ago, I think not, it hasn't been very long, but Ranger, I started doing it, he's more of our gardener than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being outside, but here's the thing. I really hate bugs and I really hate bees and I really just, so it's hard for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he loves it and he loves, um, he loves doing that kind of stuff. And so the past, I don't know, maybe three years, he, the last two years, especially like this, this year and then last year, especially, but even before then he had started just with like a smaller garden. Mm-hmm. And then, um, last year I think was our best one this year. Hasn't really been that great. Um, I don't know why we had, I think we got maybe two zucchini. Mm -hmm. Um, we got, now we have gotten an abundance of cucumbers. Mm -hmm. Um, but even then they're really small. Whereas like normally we're used to getting big cucumbers. Um, these have all been really tiny. Our tomatoes are finally doing something. It felt like it took them forever. Um, I think we got maybe a total of four peppers, Um, so it's just not been the greatest this year, but last year was fantastic. I Mm -hmm. mean, our garden, it was just like, it was amazing. And we did herbs, which he didn't do herbs this year, which was a little disappointing, but, um, it was fun. Like I would go out and, um, get some fresh herbs for like my breakfast hash in the morning. And I just felt so like, oh my gosh, look at me. (laughs) And, um, And then, you know, with the farmer's market and stuff, I mean, especially through the summer, we do really well. And then last year, um, I tried my hand at canning and it did not go over very well. I made salsa and then I made pickles, like, because we had so many cucumbers um, and I canned them just the simple way. We don't have like a canner or whatever, but um, they did not work. And so I went to try to eat some of the pickles and they were like mushy and Mm. gross and it just did not work. And so I might try it again, maybe next year. Um, but this year I was a little scarred from it. And so I didn't, (laughs) but I remember last year just being so proud, like, look what I did. I made all this salsa and I made all these pickles and we are, um, and then it didn't work. So I'm going to do better research. I haven't had a chance to this summer. Um, so for next year, I want to do better research and things so that next year, next summer, we are able to maybe start canning some more and doing that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting or not interesting, but it's encouraging um, to hear you say even like it took 13 years, like it didn't happen overnight. And I think, again, like we've said that on this podcast before with other people, like you see the fruit of what somebody's doing now, but you don't realize like it took seasons Mm -hmm. to get there and it took a lot of hard work and a lot of consistency um to get there so yeah I love that I love 
I love watching it all grow and it's, it's fun. Super fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's ping pong back to the church side of things. Mm-hmm. So that was, so you stopped going to church. What year was that? Probably. Oh my goodness. Like 2017, 2018, somewhere in there. Okay. And yep. then how did you, so you both were just like, we're not going anywhere. We're not even, there wasn't really an interest. It was just kind of like, this is dumb. We're not doing this. Um, and then when did things start to shift? So, um, yep, we were completely done. We weren't going anywhere during that, like three ish year span. Um, we literally did not go anywhere. So, but about, um, I guess it's been about two, two and a half years ago now. Um, my husband was crewing for um, a local rally driver, so Forest Rally, uh, Mike Cessna. And he invited Caleb to a men's group on Saturdays in Circleville. Um, and through that men's group, he met um, Michael Culp, who is now our pastor. Um, and Mike had invited him to church down here in Chilcothy. Um, at Heritage Naz, and we started going much to my protest in the beginning. Uh, I literally cried like every Sunday, was scared to death, didn't want to go in um, because I had this like notion in my mind that church people were scary. I didn't want to get hurt again. I was not going to open myself up to relationships with people again. I'll just go and go home. Um, And two years later, we just became this last Sunday, actually um, officially joined the Nazarene church's members. Um, and we're about as plugged in as we can get. So, (laughs) um, and it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey to, um, heal for one thing, because I struggled in the beginning. I'll never forget. I went to my first women's group right after I started probably about five or six months after starting going to church. And I remember texting you and being like, I'm here early. There's nobody here. I think I'm going to leave. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm so scared. And you were like, you're ridiculous. You need to stay there. Um, And like through that women's group started kind of getting to know like everybody and um, little by little kind of chipping away at that, that hurt and those walls and working to bring that stuff down. Um, It's kind of funny. Pastor Mike's wife, Amy, a couple of weeks ago had, I don't remember what we were talking about, but she was like, I remember when we first started talking to you and you were like, I am not going to be volunteering with stuff. I'm not going to be here every Sunday. And she was like, now look at you. So it's kind of funny to see that, you know, juxtaposition of being so like scared and anti and not engaged and freaking out. And now I'm, you know, helping plan events and joining the church and helping with anything and everything I can get my hands on really. I love it so much. I remember, like, I still remember the first time that you, I mean, I remember the women's thing, but I remember even the first time, like, you sent me a text and you were like, I need you to pray because we're going to church tomorrow. And it's the first time that we've been and I don't want to go, but I'm doing it and Mm -hmm. I'm scared. And then saying, you know, I checked in and you were like, it was actually really great. And we felt really welcomed and... I don't know, but I feel better. I think we might try it again next week. And um, so it was really encouraging for me um, to see that and Mm -hmm. um, to see all of that growth. And I, (laughs) 
it's funny because we, I think you had said at one point, like, I don't know how long we've been there. I go back and look at our text and see, because I had messaged <laughs> your pastor and said, Hey, I have some friends that just recently started coming and um, it's been a long time since they've been in church and thank you for being so great to them. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm really thankful. And so it's, it's huge, mm -hmm. um, to see that. And I think, you know, church hurt is something that it's hard mm -hmm. and you are somebody specifically who, you know, it's been just a gift to see the Lord, um, pursue you and heal you. And, you know, just that, <laughs> those attitudes that we have when we say, I will never do this again. And he's like, mm, what a bet. <laughs> yes. Oh man. <laughs> and now, you know, not only has he brought you into church, but he's connected you to the point where like you're really good friends with your pastor and your mm -hmm. pastor's wife. And, um, and you are serving and you are doing all of the things that you said, I will never do it again. Yeah. And so it's just the Lord's a healer and he's faithful and I'm thankful. Yep. Me too. I'm incredibly thankful for one, you know, Caleb getting connected to that and the leadership of my husband in a world where husbands don't get enough credit, the mm -hmm. leadership of my husband to take us yeah. back to church and to say, you're going to be fine. Just deal with it. And holding my hand through the <laughs> tears and the fear um, you know, I would not be where I am today in my walk with the Lord if it wasn't for my husband. Yeah. Um, and even on rocky days, you know, we both have our good and our bad days. We're incredibly thankful for our church family and our church community. Mm -hmm. Um, I think because of my career, really, um, I've spent a lot of time focusing on work and not building relationships. And I've had a couple friends, mm -hmm. you know, very few over the years. Um, but I've struggled to really build relationships outside of that work environment because that's what I've spent so much of my time on. Um, and when I left the chamber, I really felt the hurt of that because everything I did was wrapped up in that job and the people I worked with who I clung to as my community. Um, and when I did make that change and the Lord was leading me to just to make a change, to do something different, to focus elsewhere, um, it was so hard and so scary. And I struggled at first because I was like, I don't have, I don't have people. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember my first day on the job at the credit union, um, the first week, really, there was a couple of times where I would like hide and cry. Cause I'm like, I don't know these people. Like I had been going 75 miles an hour every day for six years. And I didn't know how to slow down. Um, even in a brand new job, my overachiever self was like, I'm not working enough. Like I'm going to get mm -hmm. fired. And I was going through training, mm -hmm. um, the expectations that we put on ourselves when we don't have community to support us and you're not focused on kind of where God is taking you is, is ridiculous. Really? I yeah. mean, the, the pressure that I put on myself and the ability to not slow down has been something that I've really had to tackle and learn to, to be okay in the the in-between times and the yeah. slowness and resting and yeah well and because I mean as you're talking I'm just like one thing I just keep hearing in my head over and over is just like this whole thing you know from the beginning to where you are now like this whole talk as you've talked it's been this talk of healing mm -hmm. you know and he's done all of his greatest work in those slow moments mm -hmm. you know when you moved to a slower paced job and you were kind of forced to slow your life down and to mm -hmm. take inventory of 
who is my community? What am I doing? What am I actually doing with my life? And then, you know, when COVID hit, you were forced to shut down even more and slow down even more. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to start gardening and more and, you know, do being intentional around me because I don't have any other choice because I can't go out and be busy. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to be forced to slow down, but just how much healing the Lord has provided, um, through all of this slower pace. And, um, and I think it's beautiful to see how much healing he's brought you physically, emotionally, mentally, all of the things. And also knowing that, you know, there's still parts of life that you are still believing for, Mm -hmm. you know, you're still, you know, one of the things that you had, you know, kind of touched on a few different ways was infertility and how, you know, that is something that, um, you know, you're still in the waiting and you're still Mm -hmm. in the healing process and he's still healing your heart and he's still bringing hope each month and still, you know, cultivating, like, trust me and walk in faith with Mm it. Um, and so it's like, you see all of these areas where he has been faithful and where he has healed, but then you still have this side over here that you're still holding on and Mm -hmm. you're still in the waiting and you're still in the trusting. And so it's just that tension of the both and kind of things. Yeah. I think if anything through, you know, my whole 33 years of life that I've learned is God is good. Whether life is good, life is bad. Um, if it's a not right now or a no, like God is still good. Um, and he's still there carrying you through every phase, whether it's what you had hoped your life to look like or not. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just have to continuously remind myself to trust in his plan because it's ultimately better than mine. Yeah. You know, 100%. And on the days when it is bad, the days when, you know, you're, I'll just be vulnerable, I guess, and say, so this month I was a little over two weeks late on my period and was scared to death to test because you're scared to test and you're scared not to test. And the in-between is, is a mental struggle that is lonely for one, you know, you don't want to put that pressure or those thoughts on anyone else. But even in the midst of that, you know, that day you're, you start and you realize like, oh, this isn't, this isn't it. Um, I refused to let myself wallow. Mm -hmm. And I just had to pray and be like, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you that it's maybe it's a not right now, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe it's, it's coming, but maybe not right now. And I have to just trust that plan Mm -hmm. because the alternative is hopeless. And I would rather live in a world with hope than one without one. I love that. I love that. Well, what is the Lord speaking to you right now? Well, I think the biggest thing in my life right now, and even in so many areas, like in ministry at church, and we've talked about it at work, and Caleb and I talk about it and things that we do, is to build community, to build community and steward the relationships that we have well, because ultimately when you build other people up, that empowers them to do God's work. Um And I've spent so long thinking I could do it on my own, you know, or that God and I could do it on my own. And he's showing me repeatedly, you need community, you need Mm -hmm. people, you need to build the community that you live in, um, and just stewarding those relationships well. 
And one thing that I will say with community that can be really hard, but that you do really well is, um, is vulnerability. And I know, you know, it's hard. You don't do it with everybody. And, you know, we don't do that with everybody and you've got to have wisdom and discernment. But I know that one thing that I've always respected about you and always loved about you is that you'll be vulnerable and you'll say, you know, I'll get the text that's, you know, I'm late and I need you to pray or I need, you know, I'm, I started and I'm sad and whatever. And you've never shrunk back from that. You've Mm -hmm. always allowed, I mean, personally me to be in. And I think that with building community, that's huge is having that vulnerability and inviting people in, um, especially when you've been hurt and especially when you've walked the road of, I'm not going to trust people again and I'm not going to do that, but being able to be vulnerable and let people in to the hard times and to the fun times, letting them into the fun and letting them into, you know, I know when you guys, I think it was pretty early on when you first started going, like you went ax throwing and things Mm -hmm. and just to be out in public and doing things that's vulnerable because you're opening yourself up to like, I'm going to allow myself to go have fun with you. And, Mm -hmm. um, but that's something that you've done really well. And I think you, it's a gift that you have been able to walk in, even in, even in the hurt, even when you may have felt like you were closed off, there's just the sweet vulnerability that you've walked in and it's allowed community to just kind of form around you. And so it's really beautiful to see. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. So, well, is there anything else that you want to say? Um, I think the only thing that I would leave people with is to just make sure you're building a longer table. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure you're creating a seat at the table for the people that God is putting in your life. And whether that's people who are ministering to you and you're being open to that mentorship and development or people that, you know, you're reaching out to just build a longer table. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here and um, just for being you. I love you. I love you. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that incredible? I am just so thankful. You know, one of the things that I love the most about doing this is when people are able to take the mask off and to just get real. And what I appreciate the most about Brianna is that she's never been afraid to do that. She gets real, she gets raw, she gets vulnerable, and it doesn't matter who she's talking to. What you see is what you get. She's not afraid to talk about hard things. She's not afraid to dive deep into hard things. And I just really respect that about her. And I'm so thankful that she did that with us today. So I hope and pray that you are encouraged by her story, that you um, are pushed closer to Jesus through her story and know that sometimes there is a long waiting process for healing. Um, But walk the process, trust the process and trust him in the process because he is good and he is faithful. And even, you know, she's in part of her story where part of her prayers have been answered and some of them she's still waiting. So she's still trusting the process and she's still trusting him in the midst of it. And so hold on to him, hold on and just know that he sees you, he hears you and he is with you always. 
I hope you all have a fantastic week and I will join you back here next week for another episode of Pour It Out.